Aren't you thankful that we serve a God who causes the darkness to tremble? Come on, church, and celebrate who He is. Today, we wanna welcome all of our campuses. We serve a God who is powerful and awesome and causes the darkness to tremble. Come on, church, let's pray together. Father, we thank you for who you are. We thank you for your spirit. And we thank you that you have the victory even over darkness. God, we love you. We ask that you be exalted in this worship celebration and in the word today, we pray in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. We are so glad you are here today. Go ahead and be seated. I am so thankful uh, that you are with us today. Uh, I have been in South Dakota with the executive leadership team of Compassion International. It's a trip I do every single year and uh, just covet your prayers. Today, though, you get to have Mike Bro back with us. And Mike Bro is a gifted, anointed man of God. He is uh, one of our teaching pastors, and uh, he is going to bring a great word to you as we kick off our series titled Unshakable. So check it out. In just a moment after this bumper video, when it's over and Pastor Mike walks on the stage, do what you do. Welcome him back. He hasn't been here in a while. Welcome him back and celebrate and let him know you are ready to hear the word of God. I'm praying for you, New Hope. guys. Man, it is, uh, it is so great to be back with you all. I can't tell you how excited I was uh, to get to come. Although I've been with you on video uh, some this year, the last time I was here uh, was the weekend before we stopped gathering. Uh, so I just want to apologize for shutting it all down <laughs> for the past few months. Hey, I, I want to just uh, say thanks for being the church. Uh, I think we're learning that church is not just something we come to, it's something we are, right? And uh, that never shuts down, ever. And uh, so grateful for the way that you have continued to uh, care and serve and give and shine uh, during a very challenging season. And I wanna give a shout out to all the, the awesome uh, New Hope campuses and to those of you that might be joining us online somewhere. Maybe you're on the back deck watching on a laptop or maybe you're in a family room with a bunch of friends watching on TV or maybe you're on a hike with some, you know, uh, some AirPods in, a beautiful fall day. Uh, welcome wherever you're at. In case you don't know, my name is Mike and I get to be on the teaching team here and just so grateful for you guys and so grateful we get to do this together. And I have been praying as hard as I know how that today God would absolutely flood your soul with hope. Anybody need some of that? 
You know, there's a lot of things in life that get way overrated. I mean, uh, you know, movies can get overrated. Uh, restaurants get way overrated. Teams get way overrated. Uh, vacation, vacation destinations get overrated. Hair, way overrated. <laughs> there's a lot of things in life that get overrated. But hope's not one of them. When we get trapped in a tunnel of discouragement, it's hope that points to the light at the end. When we get stressed out, burnt out, worn out, it's hope that renews our energy. When confusion throws us into this maze of uncertainty, it's hope that takes the edge off the panic. When we're struggling with a lingering illness, it's hope that helps us push through the pain. When we wrestle one day at a time with a crippling addiction, it is hope that fuels our recovery. When we find ourselves unemployed, hope tells us we still have a future. When we stand at the grave of someone we love, it's hope that gets us through the grief. A lot of things in this life are way overrated. Hope's not one of them. Hope's not one of them. I spent the last couple of months going through a letter that a guy named Peter wrote. I had about 15, 20 guys on my back patio on a Monday morning at 7.30. And we're just walking through this little letter tucked in the back of the Bible called First Peter. And my guys, let me tell you a little bit about my guys. Quite an assortment of guys. Let's see if I can go around the circle a little bit. Uh, sitting right here is a guy we just call Alabama because that's where he's from. He lives in California now. But the guy, the guy showed up because one of the guys in the group met him. He was an umpire at a kid's baseball game, and he invited him to our Bible study. So he's, he's there. And then next to him are two guys that just got out of prison uh, last month. Uh, another guy, they're sitting next to a guy that's got 15 days clean, who's sitting next to another guy who's got 15 months clean, who's sitting next to another guy who's got six months, I mean six years, another guy's got nine years clean and sober, who are sitting next to a guy that really, really gets into politics. And another guy, he's sitting next to him who just lost his son to suicide. And next to him is a retired cop who's in his very first Bible study ever sitting next to a contractor who's been studying the Bible for 40 years, who's sitting next to a guy who's been a skeptic most of his life, who's sitting next to a 17-year-old kid that just got out of rehab, who's sitting next to the youth pastor that brings him every Monday morning, who's sitting next to a guy who just lost his wife to cancer, sitting next to a real estate broker who loves Jesus as much as anybody I know. That's our group. And although, yeah, isn't it cool? And although our study of 1 Peter hit us all in different ways, because that's just how personal God's word is, all of us, every single one of us in the group was infused with hope. So I got talking to Benji about it. I, said, he, I told him what we were doing. He goes, man, we need to do that. We need to do that at New Hope. So we just thought we'd spend the next four or five weeks just kind of walking verse by verse through this super encouraging letter in the back of the Bible that a guy named Peter wrote. Peter, if you don't know, was one of Jesus' closest friends. He was a former commercial fisherman and a former big-time screw-up that Jesus restored and tapped to be one of the leaders of this fresh new thing called the church. And Peter writes this letter to people who were facing extreme persecution. And when I say persecution, I'm not talking about mask mandates and social distancing and not being able to gather indoors for a while. These brand new Jesus followers were scattered throughout the powerful Roman Empire. They could be killed at any time by an emperor who thought he was God. So to say that they were living in uncertain times is a gross understatement. So all throughout this letter, Peter reminds them of their hope, reminds them of their real home, and repeatedly refers to them as temporary residents here. You know what? 
We are. I think the last eight months for me personally has done more to recenter my hope and the reality of my life than just about anything I've been through in my lifetime. Gang, we really are only here for a little while. And I just wanna make the most of my time here. And I believe that when we get done with this study of 1 Peter, all of us might resolve to live our lives just full out with passion and joy and kindness and humility and purpose and love, knowing that no matter what happens, because of Jesus Christ, we have unshakable hope. So you all ready to do this? Ready to jump in? We're gonna jump into this letter. We're gonna start with verse number three in chapter one of 1 Peter. You can follow along on an app or in a Bible, or you can follow along on the screen as well. We're gonna do this together. And I just wanna hang in these few verses today, hang all of our thoughts right on these few verses. Here's how he starts. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ in his great mercy. In other words, he took the initiative It's his great mercy. It's not about anything that we have done, how good we have been, how hard we have tried to be religiously righteous. He did it when we deserve justice. He gave us mercy through the cross of Jesus Christ. So in his great mercy, he has given us new birth, not just a do-over, not just a second shot, not merely remodeled or refurbished, but made new. If anyone is in Christ, the old is gone, the new has come, we're a new creation. In his mercy, he has given us new birth into a what? A living hope, a living hope. And what does that hope hang on? The resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Gang, this is the cornerstone of our faith. This is the foundation of our life. This is the truth that that living hope rests on, the resurrection of Jesus Christ, and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. What God has waiting for us can't break down. It can't be stolen or hacked into. It will never wear out or run out. And this inheritance is kept where? In heaven, the place where things don't perish, spoil, or fade. It's kept in heaven for you, who through faith are shielded by God's power, until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. He said, it might be hard right now, but listen, God's got you. And what you have always hoped for will happen someday. Nothing can separate you from his love. Nothing can separate you from this living hope. In all this, you greatly rejoice, though now for a what? A little while. A little while. And compared to eternity, what we're going through here. It's just a little while. You may have to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. Yeah, there's a lot of things in this life that get way overrated, but hope is not one of them. In the New Testament, the word hope appears 71 times. And when Peter talks about hope, he's not talking about some rose-colored, overhyped, power of positive thinking kind of hope. This is a right now, every day, lift up my head forever kind of living hope. He's talking about the very real hope of forgiveness. He's talking about the very real hope of purpose and meaning in life, the very real hope of constant companionship and unexplainable peace right in the middle of tragic times. It's a very real hope that assures me that whatever dream intruder crashes through the door of my life, God will be with me. It's the very real hope of life after death, to know that when death comes knocking on my door because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ, I can face it without fear and know that death can't touch me. It's the hope of a better place, an eternal home. 
an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade because it's kept in a forever place for me. This hope will not disappoint. And I'm telling you guys, when you get that kind of hope settled in your heart, you just live differently. Because when you're not afraid to die, you're not afraid to live. I remember years ago, I was on a college campus speaking, and I saw this kid walking toward me. He had a bright yellow T-shirt on with black letters on it. On the front of his T-shirt, it said, live like you'll die tomorrow. On the back of his shirt, it said, die knowing you'll live forever. I thought, that's a great way to live your life right there. When I think about that, I think about our friend Sherry, who's right now in stage four cancer, and she hurts all over. She's gone through tons of surgery and radiation and chemo and stuff. Now she's on all these experimental drugs, but man, she has this amazing attitude. She's always serving other people. She has absolutely no fear of death. She's still praying for healing on this side of heaven, but she knows that God's got her either way. Her hope is a living kind of hope. I'm thinking about my buddy Larry that I played basketball basketball with in college, and he got a brain tumor. And right before he went into surgery, I remember him telling us, I think I'm in a win-win situation. I'll either wake up here with you guys, or I'm going to wake up in heaven with Jesus. That's the way he lived his life. I'm thinking about a guy that flew me. He was a pilot of a little prop plane. He was going to fly me from Lexington, Kentucky, down to Asheville, North Carolina, to do a wedding one time. I got to the airport, and it was really, really stormy. I mean, it was bad looking. I said, are we going to go? He goes, oh, absolutely. Like I told my wife, I'll see you tonight, or I'll see you in heaven. (laughs) Okay, here we go. But you know what? When you live your life with hope, It fills you with that kind of confidence. It really does. It enables you to echo the famous words of King David in Psalm 23. Surely, surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Surely, certainly, no doubt, done deal. Whatever else happens, whatever other disappointments I might experience in this life, it's just a little while. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who in his great mercy has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade, kept in heaven for you. Florence Chadwick was an accomplished swimmer. Uh, years ago, she, she was a distance swimmer. She swam the 23 miles of the English Channel, and she was trying to swim from Catalina Island off the coast of California back to the mainland. No one had done that. It was a really, really foggy morning and very, very chilly. And more than once, she begged to be taken up out of the water into the boat that was following her. But her mom was in the boat and kept encouraging her, come on, keep going, keep going. You can make it, you can make it, you can make it. But finally, just emotionally and physically spent, she stopped swimming and was pulled up out of the water. It wasn't until she was in the boat that she discovered that the shore was less than 800 yards away. At a news conference the next day, she said, all I could see was the fog. I think if I could have seen the shore, I could have made it. And I guess that's what I'm hoping to do today. I just wanna help you see the shore. Because if we could see the shore, I believe we can make it. Now make no mistake about it, the swim can be really, really hard. I mean, this year, wow has been exhausting, it's been frustrating, it's been confusing, it's been heartbreaking on so many fronts for so many different people. But Jesus told us straight up, 
You will have hard times. The swim is not easy. Life on this broken planet can be tough and it can be chaotic. But can I give you some hope today? Romans 8, 18, yet what we suffer now is nothing compared to the glory he will reveal to us later. Can you see the shore? You see, the good news is that this world full of injustice and disappointment and tragedy and pain really is just our temporary home. Peter was right. We're only here for a little while. A guy once asked God, he said, hey God, uh, isn't it true for you like a thousand years is like a second? God said, yep, that's true. He goes, uh, so God, isn't, isn't it also true like for you, like a million dollars is like a penny? God said, yep, that's true as well. He goes, well, well God, I was, I was just wondering, uh, could, could, could I get one of your pennies? And God says, sure, just a second. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Some of you are just slow. Uh, you know, the average U.S. life expectancy is 78.06 years. Now, let's suppose that 1,000 years really is literally like a day. Do all the math, and our total life here converts to one hour and 52 minutes, about the length of a movie or nine holes of golf. Now, take all the tough times we go through compared with all the amazing times we go through in that one hour and 52-minute life, and you can see the reality of what Peter is saying. You can see the reality of what the Apostle Paul wrote when he said, for our light and momentary troubles, their light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes on not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. For what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. You know, when the New Testament discusses suffering, it almost always does so in light of heaven. It is always seen through the lens of an eternal perspective. And we will see in coming weeks how Peter does this over and over for all these folks that are going through some really, really tough stuff. He's telling them, and he's telling us, listen, don't let pandemics, politics, or persecution steal your joy. You've been given a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus. That's where your hope lies. Because he lives forever, so will you. Your real home is waiting for you. And man, it's something else. I believe one of the strategies of the enemy of our soul is to keep our focus right here. Because the last thing he wants people to have is hope. The last thing he wants for you and me to think about is the reality of a forever home. Because if he can convince us that this life is all that there is, then he can get us to substitute real life for one of those self-sufficient, shallow, self-centered, life is all about me kind of existence. And he will get us chasing all kinds of temporary fixes that just lead us further and further away from the deep soul satisfaction that comes through a relationship with the living God. If he can get us from thinking with that eternal perspective, he can get us all hyper-competitive and envious and make us run over people and be divisive and judgmental and harsh with those that we're supposed to love. If he can get you and me from thinking with an eternal perspective, we can let life just overwhelm us and begin to live with a fatalistic view that says life is never going to get any better. It just stinks and then you die. And it's why Peter wrote this letter, to lift our vision. And I think it's one of the main reasons Paul wrote these particular words from a prison cell, by the way. He says, since you have been raised to new life with Christ, since that's true, 
Set your sights on the realities of heaven where Christ sits in the place of honor at God's right hand. Think about the things of heaven, not the things of earth, for you died to this life and your real life, your real life is hidden with Christ in God. And when Christ, who is your life, is revealed to the whole world, you will share in all of his glory. Can you see the shore? And that word that Paul used there for set your heart, set your minds, it means to search, to pursue, to be focused, to be single-minded. And it's in the present tense, which means keep seeking things above. Keep on thinking about heaven. Keep setting your heart and your mind there. Don't just have like a brief conversation about it. Don't just read a book about it. Don't just listen to some bald guy go on and on about heaven. Set your focus there every day. Live your life knowing that that's your real life. And when tough times come along, you will know in the deep deepness, the core of your being, that this really is just our temporary home. Because when we don't set our minds on things above, when we don't set our sights on the eternal, when we fail to grasp God's promises about the world to come, it just sets us up for anxiety and stress and discouragement, and we start to take shortcuts and go after instant gratification at any cost. We'll do about anything to get it right now because we see this life as it. I've always loved the words of C.S. Lewis when he said, it is since Christians have largely ceased to think about the other world that they become so ineffective in this one. Aim at heaven and you'll get earth thrown in. Aim at earth, you'll get neither. He's just saying live with an eternal perspective. Don't live like this is it. This world is not our home. We really are just passing through. Live with an eye on the shore. And if you do that, you'll end up making a huge difference with the time you got here. You know, sometimes we... Uh, we kind of treat heaven like that old Kenny Chesney song. In fact, I heard, I heard the song on my drive here yesterday. It's kind of, kind of a reggae sound to it. It's the old song that says, everybody want to go to heaven, have a mansion high above the clouds. Everybody want to go to heaven, but nobody want to go now, right? <laughs> I, I drove by a church sign one day, and this is what the sign said. Honk if you love Jesus. Text while driving if you want to meet him. And I, I did the same thing. I kind of laughed when I, when I initially saw it. And uh, as I drove on, I got to be honest with you. It, it kind of embarrassed me. Now, of course, we should not text and drive. But sometimes as Christians, we act like meeting Jesus would be like a bad thing. And that's so radically different than the way the early Christians who received this letter from Peter felt. They, they, they thought everybody want to go to heaven and everybody want to go now. And maybe it's because they suffered for their faith much more than we ever have. Because if you can become like a torch for a Nero garden party, or if you become a snack for a hungry lion because of your faith in Jesus, may, maybe you long a lot more for that other world, for your real home. Maybe, maybe they knew the temporary nature of this world and the futility of stockpiling stuff and chasing fame. They just longed for the day that they would meet Jesus face to face. You know, almost all of those old spirituals, like a swing low, sweet chariot, I'm just going over Jordan, they grew out of suffering. 
Slaves and mistreated sharecroppers, they longed for justice, for a better place, so they would sing all day long about their real home. And the people who sang those songs would pray that someday courageous people of faith would rise up and put a stop to the gross unfairness. But they also knew that someday, because of Jesus, all the evil, all the injustice, all the heartbreak and suffering that touched their lives would be compensated. They could see the shore and they just kept swimming toward it. And like many of them, like many of us, they hung on the words of Jesus from Luke that says, blessed are you who are poor, for yours is the kingdom of God. Blessed are you who hunger now, for you will, you will be satisfied. Blessed are you when you weep now, for you will laugh. Blessed are you when men hate you, when they exclude you and insult you and reject your name as evil because of the Son of Man, talking about himself, Jesus. Rejoice in that day and leap for joy because great is your reward where? In heaven. I love how Randy Elkhorn writes in his excellent book called Heaven. He says, we will enjoy the magnificence of our God and his heaven, not merely in spite of all we suffered here, we will enjoy it all the more because of everything we've suffered here. You see, without an eternal perspective, we assume that people who die young, people who have disabilities, people who suffer poor health, uh, people who may be homeless or never find the love of their life or couples who are never able to have children will miss out on the best that life has to offer. And gang, that's just super flawed theology because it assumes that this current brief life is all that there is. Once again, one of my favorite C.S. Lewis quotes says this, they say of some temporal suffering, oh, no future bliss can make up for this. Not knowing that heaven once attained will work backwards and turn that agony into a glory. Isn't that good? Every agony Every pain, every heartbreak, every injustice, every loss will be made right and turned into unspeakable joy. Life on this broken planet is not all there is. The book of Revelation talks about a new heaven and a new earth, a forever kind of place, and evil and death will not simply limp around a little banged up and a little wounded. It will be destroyed once and for all. The curse brought on by our own free will rebellion that has been upon creation will be completely removed, removed, and the God of all things new won't be satisfied until every sin, every evil, every pain, every sorrow, every heartbreak, every thorn, every hardship is reversed and the earth will not merely be like put out of its misery. Christ will infuse it with far greater life. It will become at last as God intended for it to be. It will be a forever kind of place, a new heaven and a new earth. No eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has conceived of what God has in store for those who love him. Talking about an existence in a spectacular place created for God's glory and our enjoyment without a hint of any of the baggage, none of the frustration, none of the hurt, none of the disappointment, none of the evil, free to be all we were meant to be in creation, free to be all it was meant to be with God at the very center of it. Can you see the shore? You know, one, of my, one of my favorite songs is that old Louis Armstrong song, and I think to myself, what a wonderful world. 
And I like looking at life that way with a heart of gratitude. And honestly, as tough as this life can be all around us every day, God gives us little glimpses of his eternal goodness. But the reason flowers are so beautiful is because God is beautiful. The reason rainbows are so stunning is because God is absolutely stunning. The reason mountains are so majestic in the fall is because God is so majestic every season. The reason hanging out with friends is fun is because God's a friend. He loves hanging with us. He's a lavish giver. And just think for a moment, if this present life can be so beautiful and wonderful, even while this planet is so broken and our bodies are so weak and frail, just imagine what it's gonna be like when all creation is made perfect and we can enjoy it in our flawless, never wear out bodies. Anybody like to watch movie trailers? I like to get to theater early and catch all the uh, preview of coming attraction stuff. Now, uh, in reality, every now and then, once you actually go see the movie, it wasn't nearly as good as the trailer. You know what I'm talking about? The trailer's like, I gotta see that. And then you go, that was terrible, right? Not so with God. This living hope will not disappoint. All the good things we love about this life, the things that resonate deep in our soul, the things that fill us up with excitement, the things we love best about this life, guess what? They're just previews of coming attractions. I love the way Paul put it in 2 Corinthians. The message puts it this way. I love it. We've been given a glimpse of the real thing, our true home, our resurrection bodies. The Spirit of God whets our appetite by giving us just a taste of what's ahead. He puts a little of heaven in our hearts so we'll never settle for less. I love that. He puts a little bit of heaven in our hearts, gives us a little glimpse so that we will never settle for less. Gang, as good as this life can be, and it can get really, really good sometimes, it's still just a preview of coming attractions. Listen to me. There is a day coming where every day will be full of joy. Every day will be full of fulfillment and purpose and passion and accomplishment, a place where all the things that we love to do will be unhindered by evil or impurity because those things will no longer exist. No more wrestling with temptation. Because evil will be history. It's a place where all of our inner longings will be fulfilled because the best thing about this new heaven and new earth, God will be there. One of Peter's best friends, a guy named John, writes down his vision of heaven from, in the book of Revelation. He says this, I heard a loud shout from the throne saying, look, look, God's home is now among his people. He will live with them and they will be his people. God himself will be with them. He will wipe every tear from their eyes and there will be no more death or sorrow or crying or pain. All these things are gone forever. Can you see the shore? Little kids were asked, what's so great about heaven? Little five-year-old girl said, in heaven there are streets of gold where you can play right out in the middle of them and not get run over. Another little boy, six-year-old boy said, you can play with wild animals there. I'm going to ride me an octopus. <laughs> I thought, that'd be awesome, wouldn't it? I'm going to do that too. And then I'm going to ride a giraffe, and then I'm going to ride a shark right after I go hug the lamb. And it's going to be incomparable. It's going to be perfect, permanent, pain-free. Some of y'all live with pain every day. There's a day coming where your body is going to be pain-free. It's going to be fit. It's going to be flexible, and you won't need to do yoga to get it that way. It's gonna be perfect, no more counting carbs or 
fat grams or calories, no glasses, no hearing aids, no wheelchairs, no artificial limbs, no arthritis, no HMO hassles. We're going to have brand new pain-free bodies. Some of you live with emotional pain every day. There's not going to be any tears in heaven. No more struggle with depression. No painful memories. No flashbacks. No nightmares. No withdrawal. No baggage, no broken hearts, no tears. 60 seconds after we die, we can throw away our iPhones and our Kleenex. Now, I love standing at airport terminals and watch like troops get reunited with their families. Isn't that fun? You ever done that? Kind of stand off the distance in the baggage claim and see them running and hugging each other. Just imagine what heaven's gonna be like. And what a reunion to watch. And I wanna kind of stand off the corner and watch some of y'all get reunited to some of the people in your life that you just long to see again and spend forever with. And I, I got so many friends and so many family members that I want to get reunited with. And I, I, I fully expect to tee it up with my grandfather and my father-in-law again. And when I play, I'll have no slice. And uh, if I do, I won't care. Um, I want to see my parents in their healthy and right minds again. So many friends from the churches that we have served through the years. And we will come together from every tongue and every tribe and every nation. And we will worship the one who made it all possible. Amen. The wise man who wrote Ecclesiastes said he has planted eternity in the human heart. Here's what I think. I don't think it takes a wise man to figure that out. Don't you know the human heart longs for more than this place? Our heart yearns for more when the person we've loved for 20 years spins on their heel and walks out the door. Our soul longs for another place when we hear about another school shooting or some little boy or some little girl that's been trafficked. Our mind desperately reaches for more even when our highest intelligence still can't keep our best friends from dying from cancer or COVID or ALS. I mean, it's hard to feel at home in a not-so-forever kind of place, isn't it? But you know what? I think that's actually a good thing. I got this written in the margin of my Bible it's from Augustine. The only ultimate disaster that can befall us, I have come to realize, is to feel ourselves to be home on this earth. He's just saying it'd be tragic to settle for the stuff of this earth, to hold tightly to that which is only temporary. Max Lucado puts it this way. He says, take a fish, place him on the beach, Watch his gills gasp and his scales dry. Is he happy? No. How do you make him happy? Do you cover him with a mountain of cash? Do you get him a timeshare and a beach chair? Do you bring him a copy of Playfish magazine and a martini? Do you wardrobe him in double-breasted fins and people skin shoes? Of course not. You put him back in his element. You put him back in the water. He will never be happy on the beach because he was not made for the beach. And gang, you and I were made for a forever kind of place. This is my temporary home. I'm a foreigner here. I'm a stranger here. I'm a groaner here. I'm a struggler here because I was made for a forever kind of place. I'm a wanderer here. I'm a dreamer here because I was made for a forever kind of place. I am homeless here. I'm longing here because I was made for a forever kind of place. This world is not my home. And he puts just a little bit of heaven in our hearts so we'll never settle for less. Well, we're going to have some incredible highlights here. We're going to have some absolute moments of ecstasy. 
but it's nothing compared to where we're going. Can you see the shore? I don't know, maybe this has been the foggiest year of your life. And maybe right now you just want to quit swimming. Don't, don't, don't. Because we're almost there. Keep your eye on the shore. Keep fixing your eyes on Jesus Christ, our living hope. Live your life with an eternal perspective. Every day, roll out of bed and walk by faith and surrender to his strength. Lean into his power. Love your family deeply. Love your neighbors deeply. Love your enemies deeply. Be a light. Make a difference with your one and only life until the day we all go home. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance kept in heaven for us that can never perish, spoil, or fade. I'd like to ask you right now to stand up at all of our campuses, including those of you that might be online right now. Just stand for a moment. And we're going to close this time out by just singing about that hope. There's a lot of things in life that get way overrated. Hope's not one of them. Father, thank you for the hope that we've been given. It's a living hope. It's a hope that hangs on the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. God, I pray that you would help us all just live with passion and live with joy, even when we swim in the fog, just knowing that you've got something out there for us and help us to keep our eye on the shore and set our minds on things above. Thank you for the hope that we've been given in Jesus Christ. And I pray all this in his name. Amen.